Would you like to be able to start conversations like a pro? Take The Sunday World, your daily dose of what's going on. Do not consume The Sunday World if you're involved in a drug cartel, you're a politician with something to hide, or you've appeared on a reality TV show and care about others' opinions. Consume The Sunday World responsibly. Always read the stories, gossip, and commentary. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST money is getting into companies there and is coming back possibly through a whole range of, of shell companies. They're not the lifestyle fraudsters. These are people who just, they go out of full time. It's their job. They have several employees. They work hard at it all the time. And it causes, again, it causes huge damage. Like it causes, you know, mistrust in financial institutions in people mistrusting each other. And I mean, it has all that kind of form of corruption has, you know, has the ability to kind of really corrode society. I'm Nicola Talent. And you're listening to Crime World, a podcast about criminals, drugs and the sins of the underworld in Ireland and across the globe. An estimated 188 billion euro in dirty money washes around the European economy every year. That's according to a new EU report on the finances of organised crime. Today, I'm talking to journalist Eamon Dillon about dirty money and what the criminals are doing with it. This is Crime World, a podcast from sundayworld.com. This was kind of heavy homework, but actually we're going to make light of it. <laughs> anyway, it was just the Eur- a Europol report, which was the European Financial and Economic Crime Threat Assessment. Now, I get these into my email like all these Europol reports a lot and I do try and read them but this one in particular I thought we should read and we should try and sort of break it down a little bit and talk about it um, the kind of the the real screaming statistic in it is the estimate of the uh, the yearly profits of the um, criminal market being between 92 and 188 billion in Europe and they do add a little disclaimer saying they can never really be sure of this data and that it could be quite a lot higher. So, What would 188 billion look like in this room? Uh, this room wouldn't be big enough, even if it, you're using 50 euro notes, I don't think. Right. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. There used to be one way of explaining the difference between a million and a billion is if in, in terms of seconds, one's, one is, uh, I think, uh, 11 days and the other is 31 years. So that's the difference between... Right. A million seconds and a billion seconds. Okay. So it's it's a oh, lot. Really. It's, it's, a it's lot quite of, a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> now there's a lot of people, um, as we can see from the report, who are, you know, eating out of that trough. Um, the 
I suppose how they came up with that is that they looked at how much uh, was seized over the course of a year in Europe. And that's between cash and assets. And they sort of said that annually 4.1 billion in around is seized in Europe. <clears throat> and that's less than 2% of the economy, they reckoned. Yeah, and, and that was quite a large figure. Basically, it has doubled um, from the previous year. So, the, like, you know, there was a lot of positives in that regard. Yeah. And they have they have set up new um, organisations to try and coordinate, like, how the legislation is done in various countries. And going through it, a lot of it seems to actually exactly what the criminal assets um the criminal assets bill has already done in Ireland. I think it's been kind of used as a, a template thing as, as as it has been um tested. Because you know what happens used. in Europe is they they you know they they have this current legislation covering freezing and confiscation orders. It's called Regulation 2018-1805. And they're looking to establish That's a, thank you. <laughs> I have a note of that. They're looking to establish a single regulation covering freezing and confiscation orders directly applicable in the EU, right? So they have written up this sort of bill on that. And then it's left there and it's up to each individual country to take it on. But Ireland is excluded. And I imagine that's because we are actually already on the playing pitch here because of the Criminal Assets Bureau. And 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 it has been tested. And I think it's the, the legislation has already been copied. It was certainly, I think the assets recovery in the UK originally was very much based on mm-hmm. this, the early successes of, of CAB in Ireland. But uh, I mean, it, it does, I mean, there is a whole chapter somewhere in, in the 58 page report saying that assets, you know, about assets recovery and that it's, it's a, a huge focus that if you can't catch, you know, a criminal gang in action, at least they can do is to prevent them enjoying the spoils of the real gotten gains. Deny which, them the yeah. profits. And cash, they said, was the most commonly seized item, uh, followed by bank accounts and cars. Then there's sort of gold, there's shares and there's yachts. And then virtual currency, which is obviously cryptocurrency, which is referred to quite a lot in this report, because this is a real incoming current problem. Yeah, well, not at this stage. It's been around a while, Nicola. I know, <laughs> but for me, it is. But there, there is one part. As I say there, there is. There's so many different um, uh, kind of cryptocurrencies that some are, are suspected to have been set up for criminal reasons. Like, for instance, one was a, was just a Ponzi scheme. It was set up just to milk money from people who were silly enough to invest in an untested uh, Bitcoin or Bitcoin type. Cryptocurrency. Um, there was one crypto platform where there was a thing called Bitslato. It's mentioned in this, and there was 2.1 billion of Russian assets that were moved. Um, and this is after the the outbreak of the war in Ukraine. And half of that, they estimate, was criminal cash. So that's a billion euro uh, dollars. Oh, sorry, a billion euro of criminal cash in one single uh, crypto coin. So right. one that nobody has particularly heard of. So now that doesn't exist. You can't touch that. It's it, it, no. It, it's, it's not like one giant gold. No, no. You, you, you can't put them in your in your wallet. It, it lives in the cloud, like or, the Lord of the Rings. Yeah, I mean, look. I mean, it, it's a hard concept. I think to to get your head around the idea of cryptocurrency, um, and to really get bo- quickly boring about it, it, like it's underpinned by a technology called blockchain, which are, it, it is actually meant to show how you can trail. A, a transaction from one to the other. So you can't be defrauded and it can't be stolen. Mm-hmm. But people haven't been able to figure out, like law enforcement haven't necessarily developed a technology yet to follow that trail without cracking the system first. So at the moment, it is offering anonymity 
yes. the criminals who want to move cash around. And it's a way of, I suppose it's easier than loading up a, a car full of cash and sending it across the border if people are willing you to accept You can imagine a lot of criminals, certainly a lot of them I would know, wouldn't really trust that. Well, it's been it's, it's been extremely volatile in the last couple of years, but I'd say some of them made a huge amount of money, and they suspect then that criminal gangs were actually involved in in cryptocurrency farming or certainly in Bitcoin farming, where mm. they were stealing electricity because it used up so much electricity, and you have these rows and rows of, of computer hard drives, and you're trying to, you know, create your 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 Bitcoin. And of course, Clifton Collins in the west of Ireland was doing exactly that. He was uh, released from prison. Some time ago and had been caught basically with cannabis. He was caught with some cannabis grow houses and at the same time the electricity was being pumped into the cannabis grow houses. He was also farming, they call it, the Bitcoin and had built up a huge amount of currency, had become a little bit paranoid and due to his self-professed cannabis smoking and had locked the Bitcoin into a digital wallet and lost the code. You remember that story? I certainly do. He wrapped it up, but he put it in a fishing rod, went off to prison and then realised that the farmer who owned the rental house that he was living in had dumped everything and the fishing rod with this code into his digital wallet, which at one point contained Bitcoin worth 100 million. Of course, that was seized by the exchequer during the Criminal Assets Bureau case, but that that fishing rod had gone to the dump and had probably been sent off to China. Never to be seen again Never and seen un, again. Un, impossible to unlock. And of course, they were waiting for the te- the development of technologies that you could unlock this this wallet, this digital wallet. We own it. The taxpayer owns it. It's sitting out there in cyberspace with this money in it that's going up and down in value, but nobody can open it. So that's why I wouldn't trust it. I mean, and for many other reasons, but... And, and that kind of brings us neatly um, into the part of the report as well, where they talk about the specialists involved now who provide criminal gangs with very specialist services, whether it's to, you know, to, to invest in crypto coins. And they act, they essentially act as money laundering brokers. And we, we know that the, the Kinnahans are, had been in that role since 2010, since before that. But it emerged in 2020 in Operation Shovel that they were they had, they had a reputation at that point it came out for uh, laundering money for other criminal gangs and that that was part of the reason why they were able to I suppose grow their operation so successfully that they had access to so much cash and they had the expertise and the international contacts to to continue to develop and expand their 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 regime um but even at, even at a lower level I imagine even in Ireland uh, I remember speaking years ago to a, a you know a street level dealer. Um, and I was asking him about, you know, what do you do with all your money? Because I worked out that they were generating something like 60,000 a week. And this this is 15, 17 years ago, something like that. And uh, I said, what, what do you do with all the money? And he says, well, we, we lose we lose 60% of it. And it, there was a, a legitimate company that we now know wasn't so legitimate at the time. And they were all working as contractors and they would hand in cash and they'd get back 40% in checks and wages. And that's how they got their money. But they were making so much, they were, you know. But it was okay to walk they, away with 40. They were they were happy to walk away with 40. Yeah. Now, they're, they're talking about at the top ends Where now. Where the other 60 go? Well, the person laundering it gets to keep it and it makes it look like they have a very successful business because they're, they're keeping 60%. Or presumably, you know, the, the street gang who are buying their drugs from someone else 
that the launderer is also answering to the same person. So they're getting their own money back to some extent. So, I mean, it's, you know, the guys at the, at the street end mm-hmm. who don't have that level of sophistication, if they don't have access to someone to, to go further up the chain. And because money laundering, of course, is, is where criminals conceal the illegal origin of their property or their income. There's yeah. three stages of it, this report says. The first is the placement. The second is the layering. And the third is the integration where they, it enters the legal economy. Now, that may seem obvious to people, but that's essentially what it is. It's you're sort of like putting the money in to one end of a machine and it's coming out the other clean. Yeah. And, and at the top end, as opposed to the street dealers, they're maybe paying five to 15 percent on top of that. And what makes the money sometimes untouchable is the third party countries such as the UAE where money is getting into companies there and is coming back possibly through a whole range of, of shell companies. And then assets are bought in the West or back in Ireland, you know, whether it's it's property or, or you know, or a thriving business of some mm. kind, you know, it could be, you know, I mean, anything from hotels to bars, anything cash rich, cash rich which mm. can continue then to be used in itself as part of the money laundering or might be just left alone as a legitimate um as as a legitimate asset that can be that that can be sold, or that members of the gang who don't have a criminal record can end up, you know, working in or 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 being even given it as a, a form of payment. COVID um, sort of forced this unprecedented shift to online in every way for the for the world, the legitimate world as well as the uh, the underworld, and I suppose it created more of these encrypted messaging apps. The dark net was probably more used. Um, They do sort of touch on that, I think, in the report, but they don't really have any answers to where that's going other than that when it enters this platform, it's it's much more difficult to trace. So it's becoming constantly more and more difficult, really, for them to follow the money trail. Yeah, I mean, especially when you have things in in third-party countries where, you know, you have servers in your computer system that are based in Russia or Libya or wherever you might, you know, there might be a connection mm-hmm. that you can use. Um, it just, it, it means that's the, the trail dies there. So, I mean, you can, you can track back all you like, but it, it's, it's essentially a black hole where nothing, no information is going to come out of, no actionable information is going to be found. Yet the legislation at the other end where you see somebody with the wealth, which might be 40% of what they've earned because they've washed it, but nonetheless, they have no obvious or legitimate means to have furnished themselves with these. And we see this all the time in the Criminal Assets Bureau cases. That's where I suppose the legislation comes in, where you have people who are, you know, claiming to the taxman that they're earning 25000 but they're living in a house where they've just done a renovation worth 600000 or something like that. And the figures don't add up and they can't prove where this money came from legitimately. Yeah, but I think it's different though for for the criminal gangs at the very top. Yeah, I mean they're they're, I mean the shareholders, so to speak, of these corporate entities, which is what they're like. They mimic, the, I'm sure, the same structures of of any large multinational mm-hmm. business. Uh, and and you know you 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 might be an Italian or you might be Irish, but you have your assets, you know, in Spain or the Canaries or in the Cayman Islands or in Dubai or wherever. Um, and and that's where you enjoy your 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 nice lifestyle. You, you you might avoid places where 
you know it's hard to kind of uh, explain your wealth but if you get to the, if you get to if you get to the stage where you're running airlines in Africa or you're running you know shell companies that are purporting to do something in in Dubai that there's no way of proving that they're not i mean who's to say you're not a, a hugely successful aviation consultant earning 100 million a year so the legislation in countries is probably having the same effect as when you police a certain area for street dealing and the street dealers just move to another area. You're constantly pushing them further and further into these sort of more lawless societies. Um, the the report says there's three things needed for crime to function in society. The first is the capability to launder the money. The second is the sophisticated financial crime ecosystem that exists. And the third is a web of corruptors and the corrupted. And corruption is really also at the heart of this report. Um, You know, I think Europe in particular is waking up to that. You know, we have for a long time been able to to look um, maybe down our noses a little bit on the likes of Mexico and other South and Central American countries where there's a huge amount of corruption. But I think we have more and more realised that, you know, we're very much open to it in, in in richer countries. They said that in the EU, 70% of criminal gangs make basic, use basic money laundering techniques and 60% are using corruption. 60% of criminal gangs operating in Europe are corrupting people. And um, they talk about the kind of places and the professionals that they are corrupting. And, and they actually refer to it as a marginal cost that they're making so much money. I mean, there's one example of a of, of a, a case study, as they call it. They, they dot through them. They don't mention him by name, but we know it's Johnny Morrissey. Yeah. And just just to touch on the the corruption part, they suggested that they spent four hundred and forty thousand euro were spent on bribes. Now, this is an operation that had done something like two hundred million in eighteen months. So four hundred and forty thousand is going to do a lot of of I don't know greasing the wheels of yeah. people in low paid jobs. Now, they, they talk about the corruption at all levels. Mm. Um, one of the interesting stats, which I hadn't seen before, uh, they're talking about the, the pickers, the people who organize uh, to get the cocaine out of the maritime containers that arrive in Antwerp or in Rotterdam. They're getting 10 to 15% of what's on, on board. So, I mean, they're possibly... These are the crane operators and stuff. These, well, this is the organization right. that, that's getting it out. So, yeah. you have people who are specialists in being able to organize that. They might have four or five people Right. Um, working for them. But, you know, if you're talking about a 60 kilo load, you know, it's possibly whatever they're going to make on the back of that 10 or 15 million each. And a very high risk point because what you're doing is you're taking possession of an enormous amount of drugs, the mother load essentially arriving. This isn't kind of filling your boot of your car with a hold all bag with cocaine in it that, you know, when it's valued ultimately might be worth 40 or 50,000. This is those multi, multi-million shipments that they're taking control of. And the ports are really the high-risk areas, aren't they? That's where the seizure can make a big difference and can really kind of um, undermine the power of any organised crime gang. So from that point of view, that's all been thought out and that's why the percentage is so high there. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously a cost that's worth paying. That they make so much money that mm. this is this is the choke point. This is the the single point of catastrophic failure in your in your in your supply line. So you gotta you gotta make sure that li- that little part of I suppose the the movement is is fully greased. I mean, like I mean, there's been issues now with um, port officials with workers. I think there was a, an inspector from a specialist uh, unit in in the Netherlands as well who was arrested and charged. 
in connection with this sort of activity. And we'd be really naive not to think something hasn't happened here in Ireland, mm. you know, and, and or isn't going to happen. I think Chat threw up a lot of stuff that was there and some of the first people that they moved on after the Sky ECC hack were the people who were being corrupted and they were planners and, you know, obviously port operators. But Yaris van der Aar, our colleague in Antwerp, told me that he was in court recently and uh, through the Encro chat um, investigation, cases are coming up in courts, obviously, in Belgium all the time, but that this particular case came up and the gang had established themselves as people who were just giving information on those who could be, who were seen as possibly corruptible. Um, so this gang were basically collecting information on people like you or I, and they had files on them. And they had in them their uh, details of what they they owed in their mortgage. They're, they're kind of tax returns, which really tells a lot about you, you know, your dependents. It's, there's a lot of information in that tax returns, which will bring us nicely to Irish revenue shortly. But um, that this gang, this criminal gang, were operating as basically an information supply unit. And they were identifying people who might have had debts, who might have had, you know, addiction issues or whatever, who were working in the legitimate economy. The criminal gangs want somebody that's corruptible. They don't want to have to threaten somebody because then that takes some manpower. So they much prefer someone who's willing and who's willing to just take a bit of a wage and to operate in their legitimate world and then pass the information or do whatever it is they have to do. Yeah, I mean, like they actually go through it in the report, you know, it's everything from judges to, you know, uh, sports clubs, executives, all the way down to people working in banks, presumably there to identify somebody mm-hmm. who works for, you know, a, a state organization or or a, a port company, somebody who's heavily in debt. I mean, you know, I mean, there, there was a case here a number of years ago, a, a, a prison officer who was supplying drugs to, I think, Carl Breen's crowd in, in Mount Joy. And he was easily identified by the gang because he was buying so much cocaine off him and going to the same gym. Yeah. And so he he was easily corrupted and, you know, quite happy to get well supplied, I suppose, in return for for bringing what was needed into the prison. And I mean, that's a very basic example of it. Mm. I mean, they they, they talk about in this as well about influence peddling as well, which is is the idea that, I mean, you, you could even have, you know, a legitimate PR company who's involved in lobbying whatever, for changes in the law or for laws not to be changed, um, working for someone they think is a, a, a genuine client. But they actually could be somebody who's getting paid by a criminal gang, you know, or, you know, like a, a cartel like the Kinahans to ensure that, you know, certain loopholes don't get closed. And mm-hmm. maybe not necessarily in Ireland, but certainly in other countries. And I mean, and again, it's the sort of thing we shouldn't be blind to. No. And also, I suppose, from the process of, you know, when land is designated, it's it can be, you know, can multiply in value by, you know, 10, 20, 30 times if it's designated for development. And they like to be ahead of that game and know what's coming up so as they can know where to invest their money. Yeah, and, and there's there's so much money as well in different government programs and different EU programs. Um, like, you know, a bid rigging, they call it as well, where, you know, you're trying to get a, a company with, with uh, criminal connections, you know, getting in big projects. They, they go after subsidies twice. You know, they've all this research might have already been paid for, but they repackage it, so to speak, with a different company and, and claim those subsidies again. And I mean, you've had it for years. I mean, there's, there's so much fraud in, 
in agriculture. Um, I, I, I remember writing about it a long time ago in, in my second book, The Fraudsters, <laughs> which I don't have on sale, I'm afraid. Um, but like there were, there were so many regulations, uh, like it was just Byzantine, that the only person who'd be motivated enough to plow through them all is the person who's going to try and carry out a fraud. Mm. And, you know, and it's a, it's a huge kind of leakage on the system. But it's also something that all these criminal gangs do. Uh, it, it, you know, it, it's a, they're all multi-income stream operations. They're not just cocaine they don't like dealers. All their eggs in the one yeah. basket. And, I, yeah. and if you if you have a guy then who's very good at fiddling the EU sheep headage payments, he's going to be quite good at something else that's going to be useful. And you know, and what does he do with all his money? You know, if he ends up buying cocaine or something, you know, he'd be sucked into something else and. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and some of these guys just enjoy it. Some of these men and women, they just enjoy the lifestyle as well, that they're they're living on the other side of, of the line. And I think in particular in, with fraud, as you'd well know, because you've done a lot of work around it, but you do have that sort of personality type that almost the drug is the fraud, is to get the getting one over, the getting one up on somebody else. And, you know, sometimes the um, amount of work that goes into um, the actual monetary gain doesn't make any sense, but it's kind of almost like a sort of an ego. Yeah, there, there is that kind of layer of fraudster who I, I think, I met one of the guys in the FBI, I, I spoke to one time about it. They, they call them lifestyle fraudsters. And they're big people who usually end up spending as much time in prison as they do on the outside because they've no, they've no concept of, of, you know, what they're doing is wrong. They're chasing the buzz and it is a game. Mm. But some of the frauds they carry out then are mimicked then by serious professional gangs who take it to a whole industrial level. Mm-hmm. And and we've seen that like with the, the romance scams where, you know, they're, they're looking for people or looking for a partner and then, you know, money gets taken. All of a sudden, you know, they're looking for money. Help me, you know, I'm stuck in a country somewhere and I need money sent. And that goes through the money mills. So, you could have somebody who's good at sending out all these emails to catch a couple of fish, you know, for the for the romance. Um, they're also sending out other emails. They're doing, you know, the kind of the business fraud. This is all mentioned in this report. Yeah, and it's a huge thing. It's multinational. I, I think there was one they talked about. There was there was one fraud involving six hundred individuals were involved, and it was every single EU country like was was being used at some point. Uh, you know, I mean, they're massive organizations. They're not the lifestyle fraudsters. These are people who just, they go out of full time. It's their job. They have several employees and, and they, they work hard at it all the time. And it causes, again, it causes huge damage. Like it causes, you know, mistrust in financial institutions, in people mistrusting each other. And I mean, it has all that kind of form of corruption has, you know, has the ability to kind of really corrode society. And the regulations in the banks have moved the money underground. I mean, we all know that if you go into a bank and you're looking to take your own money out, your legitimate money, you have a lot of questions to answer if it's over a certain amount. Is it over 5,000 or something like that? I wouldn't have a clue, Nick. You're obviously doing far better than I am. Sometimes, Cash, <laughs> sometimes you do transactions and you might get a call from your bank asking you about it and what was that for and these sort of probing questions. And I notice certainly a lot of the older generation find it very irritating and uh, don't like answering answering any questions. It's all around money laundering. The regulations and the banks even trying to open an account now, get a visa card is difficult. But that, that, that crackdown in the banking system has driven the sort of the dirty money more underground. And the report talks about the Hawaladars. Now they're operating a parallel business, almost like currency exchanges, and they're moving they're not physically moving money. They have money in, in different countries and you can get a, a coin basically or, a uh, you know, you can, criminal gangs are using them basically. I've never totally 
fully understood this, but it's what Johnny Morrissey was doing in Spain for the Kinahans. It in particular has come up because it's kind of where the money trail from a lot of the Kinahan money goes. And also the DEA, um, the Americans have discovered that Hezbollah are all over this and they're getting a cut from it. And it's really, I suppose, why the Americans are at the table at all in regards to the Kinahans. Yeah, look, it's a simple enough thing. And it's <clears throat> it's been used by, um, the similar system has been used by people involved in tarmacking and home repair scams. I mean, you basically, you want to go to Australia and you want to bring 50 grand of hot money with you. You're not going to stuff it in your mm-hmm. in your sock and hope you don't get caught. You give it to somebody who's a, who has relations in the, and in the destination where you're, where you're going to. Yeah. And you give them your 50,000 euro. And then yeah. when you land in Melbourne or whatever, you, you knock up on this door and you get your your fifty grand back, you minus whatever fees are yes, are, are paid, whatever. Yeah. And that's that's basically the Halawa system. It's yeah. the same. It's the same system. And it's like, it's I suppose it's an honor system. Yeah. Um, and and obviously, I'm sure there's times when it breaks down, but generally, you know, it works very effectively. And it's 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 often it's used by, you know, very ordinary people sometimes for for very you know legitimate reasons. I mean, again, it's it's illicit though. It is outside of the banking system, mm. and and it's not just. It's not just that system. We had a case recently in the Criminal Assets Bureau where just 13 Chinese people that were brought up, um, they, they had various assets being taken off them. And this this idea of the Daigu system, and it's basically like surrogate shopping is one way of describing it, where uh, you can't get certain goods in China. So you, you give money to somebody in China who has somebody in Ireland who will go to Brown Thomas and buy your Louis Vuitton bag for fifteen thousand euro, and it gets sent back. Right now, and but that's but that's also then being used by criminal gangs like the Kinnahans to move assets, to move money out of Ireland. If, if you get, you know, and this is this is what they were talking about in terms of like you know value transfer between jurisdictions, and it's another way of doing it. I mean, again, you know, gold was was a big thing. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, literally physical gold that you, you converted into cash, and then that's smuggled. And it's they like gold because gold is a kind of constant and, you know, it's never really dropped in value. And, and it's, yeah, it's always seen as a safe haven for yeah. cash. I mean, even, on, you know, on, on international markets, it's, you know, if there's any kind of volatility economically anywhere, generally, you know, if oil goes down, gold goes up and, you know, it, it, you know once the economy is going slowing, like I suppose it's it's the safest place to leave your money. I mean, they all say as safe as houses, but it's really as safe as gold. Mm. Indeed. Cash couriers are still widespread and the report cites how since the invasion of by Russia of Ukraine that Russian money has had to sort of travel over land because of the flying routes aren't available for them anymore. Um, and they have discovered some of those routes of for the for the money. Uh, money mules are being used. We've seen an ad recently, I think, a campaign by students' unions here in Ireland in Trinity College and maybe in UCD, um, warning students not to be used as money mules. This is where, I suppose, legitimate uh, bank customers are being used to move dirty money and they're getting a cut. Yeah, and, and often they don't even get it, some of these these kids. Uh, there was an interesting case, I think, about two years ago. I, I did it down. It was in Nace Circuit Court, and it was a, a couple who had something like 132,000 euros stolen. And this would kind of bring in two separate ideas. Like this, this was, you know, basically a, a business intercept fraud, which they talk about as a, you know, in this report as well. But this is a very good example that they were they were to send the money to their solicitor, but 
what wasn't known was that this gang had already hacked the the solicitor's email and were waiting for this type of email and then sent back when they when they saw this email they immediately sent back sorry we have a problem you need to send it to this account instead and it looked like the right one it went straight into that bogus bank account and then straight out to eight other eight other accounts including two young fellas from Tala mm. um, and they were caught and they're the guys that we were writing about um, you know and they were photographed and they were yeah. the guys in the Sunday world and on the other side of it then is that that couple never saw that 132,000 again I mean the woman gave a really yes. emotional mm. like uh, 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 victim impact statements like it put their marriage under terrible pressure you know waking up at night thinking, you know, how, how could I have been so stupid? But they weren't stupid. They were, they fell victim to a really sophisticated scam. Mm -hmm. And that's been replicated dozens and dozens and dozens of times, like every day across the European Union, which is, you know, a huge block of 300 million plus people. Some of these people are willingly allowing their accounts to be used. There, there could be people vulnerable in financial need. Students, obviously, are always in financial need. Um, they're recruited through social media and it's sort of sold to them as it's not really harming anyone. You yeah, or, or they're even approached. I mean, in, in yeah. the case I'm talking about, they were literally, they, you know, they were approached by a third party and one of them was basically frog-matched to, to the ATM to get the money out and he didn't get any of the money he was promised, which is another side of it because you're actually yeah. are meeting kind of a hard edge of of a particular gang. I know our colleague Ken Foy has written about the Black Axe and, and that's the type of fraud that they're involved in. And it's, Ireland is just, you know, one of another territory where they're operating. It's mm. nothing special. Like, you know, and and, and it's, a, it's amazing how, you know, so much of this stuff, I mean, years ago, reading Europol reports about, you know, organ trafficking or stuff like that, you, you'd think, oh, that'll never happen here. We've had our first report of that just this week. That, you know, that people were being trafficked for, you know, organ removal, being trafficked to Ireland. So, you know, it just shows you how, I suppose, widespread or how uh, how no these guys operate. Yeah, they, they're, yeah, they're global organizations. Mm -hmm. And that all of this stuff, I mean, we you know, when they talk about all the value transfer systems, we're able to come up with examples where it's happened here. I mean, even, even the case studies are directly linked to some of the, the criminals here, mm. you know, and this is a European report and they're, they're picking exactly. out our guys. Like, yeah. You know? We seem to be sort of punching above our weight and all this, I think. Sometimes I feel uncomfortable about It'd that. It'd be great if I could only do it at football. <laughs> yeah. um, obviously, the misuse of legal businesses is high up there in the way that the, the, the regulations of banks have moved that money underground. And they describe some of the kind of businesses that are used um, to launder money, bars, restaurants, grocery. It's pretty much everything. Criminals like the construction industry because it's always in growth. Um, they like the motor industry because there's such vast amounts of money's paid for a car. Uh, jewellery, it's the same thing. Tobacco, I suppose, they're also smuggling it. Um, so they like a bit of that. So there's these sort of multiple types of um, businesses that are being used and they're kind of cash businesses, a lot of them, like the bars and the, I mean, you could put through a lot, a big bill on, you know, if you had a party one night in a bar, you could put through a bill of, you know, up to 100,000 for the, the food and drinks that doesn't ever actually There's no go receipts. down anyone's Yeah, un unless somebody goes and gets the CTV or yeah. is standing outside counting people going in and out, it's, it's difficult to prove. Exactly. And it's the same, I think, with the barber shops and the nail salons and a lot of those, which are sort of small, sort of little laundering shops. I mean, I'm sure you see them the same way I do because we're so yeah, used to kind of looking at for that kind of thing and you can see a shop and there's nobody ever going into it and you yeah, go, hmm. There is. And 
and and they're cleverly done a lot of the time, you know, in, in a sense that, you know, one person could actually be controlling 80 of these, you know, from Scotland to Ireland to, you know, mm-hmm. the Channel Islands or wherever they're doing it. And again, y- y- even if one gets shut down or caught or people involved, it'll be you know, a front person that'll be the person ending up in in the Irish High Court and under the Criminal Assets Bureau. I mean, we certainly saw that with the with the Chinese case recently. Mm-hmm. I mean, the top guys weren't were nowhere near to be seen. Um, and they, you know, and there was gold, serious amount of cash involved. And it was involved been managed well. by a kind of a, a known associate of Christy Kinahan Senior. Yeah, and uh, yeah, that was uh, Samuel Sullivan, as we named him in 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 the Sunday World previously. Like, and that was, I think, the first time we were able to actually get him out there um, to show he's closely Mister Nobody type of a character. Very much so, and we hadn't named before. And and the report talks about this about kind of the parallel economy that's there. That's that's un, you know it's undercover. And in a way, it has its own momentum then that there's so many people working in it, they become dependent on it. So they have to keep working at it. So, And then more and more people are sucked in. So it continues to grow. So the legitimate economy, law enforcement has to do its best to, to I, I suppose, at, at the very least, slow its rate of growth. Or, yeah. You know, make sure it doesn't overtake mm-hmm. the, the, legitimate the legitimate economy because economy. that's where, you know, the problems really start and, you know, all the, the the institutions that are so important to a smooth running democracy become undermined if you can't trust the police, the the judges. You know, if if property laws can be just overturned overnight, yeah. people with the the biggest amount of money and the guys with guns take over. Yeah, I mean that's what's happening. Yeah, yeah. The big challenges they conclude are the fact that money is in countries which are uncooperative, and we seem to be constantly going back to the UAE, even though they're claiming they're cleaning up their act. Um, they're on a grey financial list at the moment. They want off it. They are actively trying to show that they don't want money launderers, whether, you know, the truth of that will will come out, I'm sure, as time goes on. Um, they say that, that these digital assets are a, are a big challenge, I suppose, to, to law enforcement. And the no one EU legislation in the field of anti-money laundering, which they are currently trying to bring in, or certainly they're awaiting countries to take that on board. Corruption. Corruption is there as one of the biggest challenges that there is. And um, as we've spoken about the cost of that corruption, which is so marginal to criminals. I mean, to me, that is probably the biggest problem that we face. Yeah. And look, I mean, it's... it's Because every individual... You know, you're you're looking to you're you're looking for people to sort of operate for the greater good, and people are greedy, or or people can be desperate as well, mm. which I think is often where it comes in. Uh, oh, but yeah, you're right. I mean, it's 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 greed, I guess, is the motivator for 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 a lot of people, um, and and it, and it is like I mean, just I mean, the, the, when you look at the figures, they're just staggering, like 188 billion, and, and that's a conservative estimate by its own admission in in the report. And, and isn't it very easy to think that, like, if you were, say, for example, asked to give out a bit of information to somebody you knew was bogey, and they were going to give you five hundred quid a month, and you thought, cash in hand, not going to earn that too easy. Anyway, what is it in relation to this hundred and eighty-eight billion? that is floating around. Sure, it's nothing. It's not a drop in the ocean. It's very easy to independently think when it comes to this, um, you know, and, and to be, to not be thinking of the greater good. Yeah, I mean, we, we, we have seen it in Ireland, like at a, you know, at various levels. I mean, certainly there was the case of uh, the Sligo gangs had a, a young guard 
and she was supplying with the information. She was in love with a member of Barry Young's gang, still with him, despite losing her job and having served time. So I mean, just you know, that those, yeah. I mean, it, but it just shows you, like, I mean, it, it works so in various ways. ways. I mean, that yeah. that was an extremely valuable uh, asset for that, you know, provincial mm-hmm. gang to have. And and we know in the past that there's been, you know, various local authorities when they were in charge of of say driving licenses. We know in the past that serious criminal gangs have had people in there working for them. Uh, and and again, I mean, why wouldn't you try and get somebody into the bank or? Into the guards, like if you're if you're a criminal mastermind, these these are these are all useful assets, you know. In terms of even if you don't have a direct use, it's a service you can sell. Which again, the report talks about, and as you mentioned, like you know, the specialist yeah. gangs who who target people that can be corrupted or or get information, no more than you know, a good you know editor or you know builds up a, a team of investigative reporters to to find out stuff no one else is able to or bothered about. You know, when you think of the recent um, story that the the Garda's Drugs and Organised Crime Bureau are investigating a trans-global gang, well, certainly European-wise, and uh, who are working in this country, they're they're drug dealers, suspected drug dealers, and that when they raided the premises that they discovered that um, a close associate of theirs was working in revenue with full access to revenue files. Now, my understanding is since the the information in that was uh, publicised, the individual in revenue who remains under investigation uh, for any links to the criminal gang, that uh, they have been, their access has been reduced. But I mean, for me, it was like revenue know everything about all of us. Isn't that the place that should be the tightest controlled of all? You would like to hope so. You certainly would. Mm-hmm. I mean, like I, I was actually, I, I had a certain amount of information from that case you're talking about at a at a bail hearing. Um, and it was a sophisticated operation that wasn't small time. There, yeah. there was eight kilos of drugs hidden in a, in a secret compartment as, you know, as being moved. And there was uh, the allegations, you know, it, it was an intelligence-led operation. And apparently this is the first time that the information hadn't been shared with revenue. Mm-hmm. And they were able to to get, they were able to uh, affect the arrest. Then that time, yeah. So yeah, no, that is it is certainly something I think that should be um, an eye opener to revenue and to certainly all aspects of Irish society. That you know whether or not this individual is found to be you know involved in anything or not, or if it's just an association. You know, we wait to see that, but um, nonetheless, people can have, you know, what seems like a regular civil service job, you know, the information is now power to criminal gangs. And I think the more we are aware of that, uh, the more sort of elements of the state, I suppose, need to clamp down on their, how do you test people? How do you work out whether somebody is, you know, they're I mean, you, you had a case, uh, I think, in the UK this week where there was a parliamentary assistant who, who's been arrested, suspected of spying for the Chinese government. And there was a discussion, I think, with Chris Steele, former MI5, who, who wrote the famous Trump dossier about the, the ladies in the hotel room in Moscow. Um, and, and he was saying just that. He said, like, you, you have to look for vulnerabilities. Um, yeah. And if someone, you know, if someone has, it has a connection to a criminal gang, or if it's a if it's a state actor, if they've spent a lot of time there, or if they have family there, but if you have someone who's who is connected to a criminal gang and they do seem to have vulnerabilities, I mean, they're clearly people that 
you know, unfortunately can't be can't be employed mm. in, in sensitive areas. I think and, we and there's so many sensitive about jobs. That. Yeah, I mean, look, look, there's been over the years. Certainly, you know, there was a high profile case recently of, of a relatively high ranking guard who was caught with a large amount of cannabis. Um, you know, previously there was people that were, you know, I, I remember one particular case, it was a, an officer with uh, an alcohol problem uh, who was doing passport forms for the IRA. That's going back a, a good while since. There's been other people charged since, you know, with, with accepting money, with, with um, there's been other cases involving, you know, filling out uh, uh, insurance accidents, you know, and, and that case was actually linked to people linked to the real IRA. So I mean, it shows you, you know, mm-hmm. like we we haven't been we we haven't been uh, free of of corruption, but I mean, it's it's, it's certainly not endemic, uh, not like it is in some countries. I mean, Ireland is relatively corruption free. Uh, you know, it's not a point where you have you to compare you have, us globally. Yeah, yeah, you don't have to pay the doorman in a, yeah. in, a, in you know in a government institution just to get into the queue, and then you don't have to pay someone to to get to the right counter and you don't have to pay the person on the other side of the counter to fill in the, to give you the form and then pay someone else to mm-hmm. hand in the filled in form to, which happens in some countries, mm. you know, and, and, and that's the way it works. And you yet they're small bribes and it's how they all top up their salaries and it's accepted. But I mean, we're a long, long way from that. Right? I mean, Transparency International, I think, usually has Ireland somewhere in the top 10, I think 12 was our lowest, I think, in a while. Yeah. No, I think we're doing, I think we're doing quite well. And I think the fact that we are obviously already at the table with a lot of the money laundering thing is great news because we're usually kind of behind the curve. But certainly Europe-wise, we are. Um, but I mean, these reports are really warning us of what's to come. And I think that whatever way you look at it, the 60% of crime gangs using corruption as a means of um, operating is huge and growing. And uh, it's something that we can't take the eye off the ball for. And the slew of cocaine coming this way is only getting bigger. I think there was a 60% increase in cocoa production in South America this year. So it's not going to get quieter anytime soon. I'm telling you, it's the it's the other climate change, isn't it? It's the exact same sort of scenario. We're sort of blindly going to some place where we don't really know what that's going to look like with all the cocaine. Yeah. Okay. Eamon, thank you very much. Thanks again, Nicola. You've been listening to Crime World, a podcast from sundayworld.com, produced by Ian Mullaney and edited by me, Nicola Talent. Research assistant is Clodamini. If you like this show and love true crime, leave us a review. Or why not download the free sundayworld.com app for lots more stories from Ireland and across the globe. Would you like to be able to start conversations like a pro? Take The Sunday World, your daily dose of what's going on. Do not consume The Sunday World if you're involved in a drug cartel, you're a politician with something to hide, or you've appeared on a reality TV show and care about others' opinions. Consume The Sunday World responsibly. Always read the stories, gossip, and commentary.